Welcome to this episode of the National Police Association podcast number 14. Project Safe Neighborhoods, Black Lives Matter, and Trooper Lawsuit Victory. From Kansas City, Missouri, Ali Summit, Missouri, man who illegally purchased 15 firearms pleaded guilty in federal court today to illegally possessing firearms and to making a false statement on a federal form in order to purchase those firearms. J.C. Miller pleaded guilty before federal district judge Howard Sachs to one count of possessing firearms while being an unlawful user of, and addicted to, heroin and other controlled substances. Miller also pleaded guilty to one count of making a false written statement on a federal form, falsely claiming that he was not an unlawful user of, or addicted to, any controlled substance, in order to purchase a firearm from an Independence, Missouri, pawn shop. By pleading guilty, Miller admitted that he illegally purchased, or attempted to purchase, more than 15 firearms from five licensed firearms dealers. In 2016 Independence police officers were dispatched to a reported disturbance at the Independence Mall. Officers contacted Miller in the parking lot, he had a pistol in a holster on his hip. Miller was arrested for disorderly conduct and the firearm was seized. During an inventory of Miller's vehicle, Officers found a pistol in the center console, sitting next to a loaded syringe. Three fully loaded magazines were found in the glove compartment. The next year Lee Summit, Missouri, police officers responded to a shots-fired call at Miller's residence. During a search, officers found a rifle with a 30-round magazine, casings, more magazines loaded, one orange needle cap, a spoon with brown residue that field tested positive for heroin, and a used syringe containing a red dark liquid. A detective attempted to interview Miller, but was unable to do so because he was under the influence of a controlled substance. Later in 2017 Lee's Summit police officers executed a search warrant at Miller's residence and found syringes with residue and a small plastic bag with residue. Miller admitted to being a heroin user, stating he was using heroin every day or multiple times a day. Miller further admitted to selling heroin to his friends. Miller admitted to shooting a rifle at another individual. He also claimed to have had firearms stolen from him. In 2018, Lee's Summit police officers responded to a shooting at Miller's residence. Miller got into an argument with another individual and a physical altercation ensued. During this altercation, the other individual was shot in the chest. Officers searched Miller's residence and found a pistol and a Russian-American armory Saiga rifle underneath the back porch. Under federal statutes, Miller is subject to a sentence of up to 20 years in federal prison without parole. The maximum statutory sentence is prescribed by Congress and is provided here for informational purposes, as the sentencing of the defendant will be determined by the court based on the advisory sentencing guidelines and other statutory factors. A sentencing hearing will be scheduled after the completion of a pre-sentence investigation by the United States Probation Office. This case is being prosecuted by Special Assistant U.S. Attorney Robert M. Smith. It was investigated by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the Lee's Summit, Police Department, the Kansas City, Missouri, Police Department, and the Independence, Missouri, Police Department. The U.S. Attorney's Office is partnering with federal, state, and local law enforcement to specifically identify criminals responsible for significant violent crime in the Western District of Missouri. 
A centerpiece of this effort is Project Safe Neighborhoods, a program that brings together all levels of law enforcement to reduce violent crime and make neighborhoods safer for everyone. Project Safe Neighborhoods is an evidence-based program that identifies the most pressing violent crime problems in the community and develops comprehensive solutions to address them. As part of this strategy, Project Safe Neighborhoods focuses enforcement efforts on the most violent offenders and partners with locally-based prevention and reentry programs for lasting reductions in crime. From Baltimore, The Sun reports the ACLU is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn a lower court decision allowing Baltimore activist and Black Lives Matter organizer to Ray McKesson to be sued by a police officer injured during a protest in Louisiana. We're asking the Supreme Court to defend the First Amendment right to protest, the organization tweeted Saturday morning. The group said it wants the nation's highest court to overturn a ruling by a federal appeals court in Louisiana that if left standing, would gut civil rights era speech protections, the tweet said. The American Civil Liberties Union said it filed a petition for review Friday with the court on behalf of McKesson. Baton Rouge police officials could not be immediately reached on Saturday. An attorney for the police officer also could not be reached Saturday. The lower court, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, upheld a decision in April that allowed the lawsuit filed by a Baton Rouge, Louisiana, police officer against McKesson to move forward. The officer, labeled as John Doe in the lawsuit, was injured during protests after the 2016 killing of Alton Sterling a 37-year-old black man who was shot dead by Baton Rouge police. The lawsuit, Doe v. McKesson, seeks damages from McKesson for injuries the officer suffered during the July 9, 2016, protest after a protester threw a rock. The ACLU said McKesson had joined the protest and urged others to join. But McKesson did not throw the rock and the officer never accused him of throwing it, the ACLU said. The lawsuit places blame on McKesson because he encouraged the protest. The goal of lawsuits like these is to prevent people from showing up at a protest out of the fear that they might be held responsible if anything happens, McKesson said in Saturday's announcement of the Supreme Court petition. He warned the suit could set a precedent of making protest organizers responsible for events over which they have no control, such as random people coming into a protest and causing problems. In 2017, Judge Brian Jackson dismissed the officer's lawsuit, citing First Amendment rights. But the Court of Appeals ruled in April that the lawsuit accusing McKesson of negligence could proceed and should not be dismissed on First Amendment grounds. McKesson should have known that leading the demonstrators onto a busy highway was most nearly certain to provoke a confrontation between police and the mass of demonstrators, yet he ignored the foreseeable danger to officers, bystanders, and demonstrators, and notwithstanding, did so anyway, Circuit Judge E. Grady Jolly said in the court's unanimous ruling. The Supreme Court has recognized that peaceful protesters can't be held liable for unlawful actions of others, said David Cole, the ACLU's national legal director. If the law had allowed anyone to sue leaders of social justice movements over the violent actions of others, there would have been no civil rights movement, he said. From Framingham, Massachusetts, the Enterprise News reports a state police trooper from Canton who said he was forced to falsify records to protect a judge's daughter has been cleared of any wrongdoing.
State Police Colonel Kerry Gilpin wrote to Trooper Ryan Sevier in a June 26 letter made public Thursday that he acted appropriately during the case involving the daughter of Dudley District Court Judge Timothy Bebo. The case was dubbed Troopergate and became the first in a series of scandals that consumed the force. The letter was part of the settlement of Sevier's lawsuit alleging he was ordered to delete embarrassing information about Ali Bebo after she was arrested on charges of drunken driving and driving under the influence of drugs in October 2017. Sevier's lawsuit claimed that Worcester District Attorney Joseph Furley directed a conspiracy that sought to unlawfully tamper with court documents, to violate Trooper Ryan Sevier's rights, and to defame him. The settlement clears Sevier of any wrongdoing and orders state police to pay Sevier $35,000 and early to pay $5,000, MassLive.com reported. I have such admiration for this trooper. He refused to do anything different because she's a judge's daughter, Sevier's attorney Leonard Kesson said Friday. He did nothing wrong. Sevier was halfway through an evening shift on October 16, 2017, when a seemingly routine call came in about a car crash. On the highway outside Worcester, Ali Bebo had slammed her Toyota Corolla into a guardrail. She and her passenger had survived, but Sevier said the 30-year-old woman reeked of alcohol when he arrived on the scene. A search of the car turned up a heroin kit containing needles and a metal spoon, Sevier wrote in his police report, which was published by the Boston Globe. Bebo said she had performed sexual acts to pay for the drugs and had offered to perform sexual favors for Sevier in exchange for leniency, the report stated. During the ride to jail, she claimed her father was a judge, but the trooper was skeptical. Two days later, on his day off, Sevier awoke to a loud knock on his door. A fellow state trooper told him to go immediately to the barracks in Holden. When he got there, his supervisors ordered him to delete negative and derogatory statements in his report on Bebo's arrest saying he could be fired if he refused. Bebo, it turned out, was the daughter of Judge Timothy Bebo, who presided over a drug court. The story on the editing of the police report first surfaced in a local blog, Turtle Boy Sports, which said it had heard from several state troopers who expressed outrage. Other local media picked up the story soon after. Sevier's lawsuit says he responded to Bebo's car crash with another trooper, Ali Ray. After Bebo failed multiple sobriety tests, he said, they arrested her and charged her with driving under the influence of narcotics and liquor. When he was called into the barracks two days later, Sevier was first met by a lieutenant who said he had been ordered by his supervisor, Major Susan Anderson, to issue him a written reprimand for the negative and derogatory statements included within the gist of your report. His sergeant was also reprimanded for approving the report, according to the lawsuit. Then Sevier met with Anderson. The details about sexual acts had to be cut, she told him, and handed him a copy of the report with proposed edits written in red and black ink, according to the lawsuit. Sevier protested. Making the proposed edits was morally vacant, he said. Jeffrey Gilbert, a police union representative who was present for the meeting, came to Sevier's defense, saying the trooper would only make revisions under direct orders. This is an order, Jeff. We all have bosses, Anderson responded, according to the lawsuit. Gilbert added that Sevier would be charged with insubordination and subject to discharge if he continued to refuse. If this was some random person and not a judge's kid, Sevier said, according to the lawsuit, none of this would be happening. Eventually, Sevier agreed, 
His lawsuit says he was forced to alter the report under illegal coercion by his commanders. He also alleges that then-Colonel Richard D. McKeon, Anderson and others tried to have the original report surreptitiously removed from the court file and replaced with the altered report. State police denied this. When news broke about the dispute the following week, a state police spokesperson made false and derogatory statements about Sevier, in particular that his report contained improper statements that violated department standards. This news brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how you can help law enforcement accomplish its goals visit nationalpolice.org.